Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is unfortunately not a victory Monday on football and random things. Hello, Jeff Woody. It's the first one in a while that we've not been celebrating a victory. Just just dealing with what happened. It's the first time since uh, September 14th that we would not be celebrating a victory. It's a long calendar time. It is a long calendar time. There's only four games, but it's a long calendar time. A long calendar time. Uh... Iowa State with a 24-21 loss to Oklahoma State on Saturday. Man, this is also the first time that we've been in studio for an episode of Football and Random Things and since probably April. It just takes disaster to bring us together, Jared. It does. Or a computer malfunction. Yeah, my microphone cord broke in transit back from Stillwater. So, um, it wasn't the loss that brings us together, it was the loss of your electrical cord. Yeah, well, it's a USB cable, but... Yeah, all the same. Your technicalities mean nothing to me, Jared. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, I was down in Stillwater on Saturday. You and I talked quite a bit throughout the game. Frustrating one, man. Uh, felt like Iowa State left a lot on the table. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they lo- they left I mean, two kicks. I mean, the, you make either of those field goals. And granted, that would change the strategy in the second half if you're Oklahoma State. So if you would have made those, obviously they're not going to be as conservative. They would have played more. They potentially would have gotten a field goal of their own. You can't say that they would have won with making those two field goals. However, uh, that also changes the way that you play. I mean, because in the second half, they more or less abandoned, not the the second half of the second half, you know, like towards the end of the third quarter, they kind of abandoned the run because they got in the same position that they were in last year which Mm -hmm. was you're in a a must throw situation and one of the things that we saw was like the offensive line has been a lot better this year than it has been in years past however when you're down downing and you're down ramos and now you have uh, the entire right side of your offensive line is essentially freshmen i mean guys playing their first four games then that doesn't really leave a lot of confidence. So then Sean Foster, who is a fine at best left tackle, he's fine. He's not, he's not a bad player. Right. He just can't, he's not a Coletio Semele, um, single me up and I'm going to hold him down kind of offensive lineman. So when you have the entire right side of your offensive line needing to help each other out and you have to slide protection that way, and that puts Foster in one-on-one situations because you got to trust that on the left side of your offensive line, they can more or less play man and just say, hey, defensive end is tackles. The defensive tackle is the guards. We'll call it good. And then you you slide the protection the other way because your, your inexperienced guys are over there. Well, now you're starting to see that like one-on-one opportunities, especially with the defensive line, which is as good as Oklahoma State's, took advantage of Iowa State's injured now offensive line. So um, the other thing that they did defensively Oklahoma State is uh, we were talking about on the on the way in is they dared Iowa State to throw it down the field and partly because of the pass rush and Brock really never feeling comfortable and partially because Iowa State really misses Tariq Milton or anyone that can serve as a deep threat because I would say the only the only player outside of the tight ends that is a receiving threat at all is Xavier Hutchinson and even then, if you bracket him and play one over the top, hey, you're just not going to take anything deep. Then well, you can hit an RPO, you can hit an under or something like that or, or a comeback, but you're not going to hit anything big. Mm-hmm. Somebody else has to come up with that. And whether it's Shaw or Skates or someone else, they Oklahoma State was essentially daring Iowa State and said, hey, you're not going to be able to go down the field. And they weren't because of, yet yeah, partially, again, partially because of pass rush that Iowa State, Brock was never able to take his one, two, three steps, put his foot in the ground, come back up the field, launch one where he wants to. He wasn't really ever able to do anything on rhythm and or with confidence. So, um, yeah, Oklahoma State, they rolled the dice and they came out on the positive end on most things they did throughout the day. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing for Iowa State's offense that's really so concerning to me. The offensive line thing is obviously tough, but you keep in mind that they've had two of their starters, two of their better players right. are hurt. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, they're two of the highest rated offensive line recruits ever to Iowa State, right? Yeah, I mean, they would be With certain, Downing and Ramos? Yeah, certainly would be up there. And two guys who have 
you know, Trevor Downing has played very well previously for Iowa State. Joey Ramos was playing pretty well so far this season. You take those two guys out, you're playing, you're starting two redshirt freshmen on the right side of your offensive line. And I, I think I'll cut some guy, cut those guys some slack. Mm-hmm. I think that it's good for them probably to even get some negative film mm-hmm. to uh, learn from, you mm-hmm. know, moving forward. The receiver thing is really concerning to me. I just counted it up. Out, so, like, outside of Xavier Hutchinson, who has 28 catches so far this year, Iowa State's other – they have thrown to one, two, three, four, five, six other receivers for a total of 20 receptions. And how many does Landon Akers have? Seven? Landon Akers has seven, and Tariq Milton has four, and Tariq Milton is hurt. And who knows when he's going to come back. So, they are in a position where – Basically, Landon Akers has seven seven catches in five games. Uh, Joe Skates has two and five. Sean Shaw has four and five. Daniel Jackson has five and four. And Dar- Darren Wilson has two and four. So they have basically all of their tight ends and Xavier Hutchinson and then all those other guys have been basically complete non-factors for the offense so far this year. And I think if you're going to really get that passing game going, you have to figure out a way – I mean, even if it's just one more of them, all those tight ends you know can catch the ball. But you have to have more than just Xavier Hutchinson as an available threat. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, really, then you double cover, you clamp eight, mm-hmm. and you play you know, some athletic safety because you don't have to play a, another safety deep because you can trust that one of your corners is going to handle the other wide receiver or wide receivers and then when you have two tight ends or so then you put a safety somewhere hanging out in the middle to take away quick stuff and you put a, a, a linebacker on a, a, a tight end there's got to be something down the field and and again that's it's a two-part answer is you have to be able to hold up and yes, it's it's good for these in the long term, the long run. It's good for Remsburg and, and 55, I forget his name. Daryl Simmons. Simmons. And it's good for Simmons and, and Remsburg to get film. And Simmons has played pretty well generally uh, throughout the season, especially for being you know, a young pup thrown at guard. Uh, but they have to Brock has to fully trust that they know what they're doing. And not necessarily even that they can do it. It's just that they know what they're doing. That... Um, I don't know. Did you watch the, the Seattle-Arizona game last night? Part of it. So in in, in the overtime period, uh, or, or I, I don't remember, fourth quarter overtime, um, Arizona ran a, a crazy pressure and even confused Russell Wilson. Seahawks offensive line is pretty good. They're not the greatest. But generally speaking, Russ at least knows where he's protected and where his one-on-one opportunities are probably the most problematic. So like you compare that then to Iowa State, Brock doesn't really know that Remsburg knows or that Simmons knows exactly where everyone's going to be. So he doesn't really have a good foundation to understand where in the pocket he's likely to need to move. Where Russell Wilson knows generally, again, there's there's that one creative pressure they got the sack on. It was a different one, but they're going to bring seven dudes. He goes, okay, my running back's over there, my tight end's right here, my tackle's here, my guard's here, my guard's here. All right, I don't really like the matchup between my tight end and that defensive end, so I'm probably going to feel pressure from the right side at least keep you know a feel keep your spidey sense on that and then you can kind of feel around and i'll float to the pocket a little bit away from that just to give that guy a little bit more space give myself a little more room to throw down the field guys like tom brady you know the 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 russell wilson the really like truly elite pocket passers do that they understand where everything's going to be so they understand where they can actually occupy space because of the the turnover on the offensive line and now being faced with the best defensive line I again arguably the two that played against each other on Saturday are the best defensive line in college football or in in the Big 12 Iowa State and Oklahoma State between those two they're the best so you have a really good defensive line going up against an offensive line that you don't trust fully that like Brock goes same situation okay they're bringing five my tackle should be over here, but last time we ran this protection, he didn't go over there, so I have to look at him. Now, I have to see if I'm going to get hit in the face so to know if I have to, to double out, to know if I have to do any of these different movements or whatever, so he doesn't have the, a ton of confidence to get down there. Again, then on the other end, one of the things, and, and we're talking about the wide receivers getting down the field, one of the things that was great about... Um, like Butler and Lazard, which obviously are two best deep threats that I think Butler, Lazard, and Blythe are the best deep threats or down the field wide receivers Iowa State has ever had. And I don't think that's really anyone's really going to argue. The great thing about those guys is they pretty much could have gotten in the receiver stance and just flipped off the corner. 
mm-hmm. and is like, I don't really care what you're going to do. I'm going to get the ball thrown to me and I'm going to catch it yeah. regardless of who's covering me. Now, to say that someone else has to measure up against those three, it's, that's a really difficult task to try and exactly. put on someone. But you also have to have guys that can go do something of the sort when given the opportunity. You know, like you don't need to have the greatest receiver on the planet. You just have to have a receiver that can win a one-on-one, you know, like not every player on the basketball team has to be George Niang, but when George Niang draws a double team, you have to have Naz that can actually like pull, you know, step back for three, or you have Monte that can take someone off the dribble because they have to shade towards this other guy. But if you don't have anyone else, when they do shade off of that defense to win a one-on-one, then they're going to shade harder and say like, they're going to double down on that and say like, all right, cool, man. Number eight, number 88 can't catch the ball. We don't care who else catches the ball. Just not those two. Mm-hmm. Eight and 88 will stop those. Brees Hall, we're going to make sure that we play it tight so he doesn't run. And then literally you try and throw anything else because, and they'll leave it single covered or they'll leave it as a really loose zone with not a lot of, you know, with a lot of space to cover because they don't think that guy's going to do it. So again, you don't need Hakeem Butler. You just need a guy that can go up and be Matt Eaton. You know, Matt Eaton would take advantage because they have to double cover Hakeem Butler. He would end up, or Deshante Jones would take advantage of the fact that I'm one-on-one with a guy that I'm better than. I'm not playing their best because he's probably better than me, but I'm playing against their second best and I'm better than this dude. So that's the thing that I think Iowa state, um, they have the potential to develop. They have talented guys. The Jackson kid's really good. I think by the time he's done, he's gonna be really fun to watch. But right now they don't have that established person. And I bet because Shieldhouse is a wide receivers coach, right? Yeah. I bet that's the challenge this week going into Kansas because it's Kansas is all right, fellas, you want the chance to get the ball thrown your way more? I guarantee to a point, to a man, each one of those guys that has, you know, Xavier's probably not complaining about touches, about, but I bet they're like, man, I want the ball more. I bet Shieldhouse is saying like, all right, you want the ball? It's Kansas. Go. Yeah. Prove it. Earn yourself the touches. Earn yourself the passes. Brock has to trust you before he throws the ball. Mm-hmm. So now's your chance. So I bet that's the big gauntlet throw in the wide receiver room yeah. is all right, man, there were four people targeted for passes on Saturday. Yeah. Four. Normally Brock is seven plus on who to throw to, but they were just saying, all right, anybody else, we dare any, you to, we dare you to throw it to anybody else, Bet you won't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, I feel like Sean Shaw has the potential to be that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skates physically does, just not mentally. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I mean, Oklahoma State played physical on the edge. Like, they played physical with those dudes. And, I mean, Sean Shaw has not proven the ability to be able to handle that very well, you know? And, I yeah, I think he's, he's he, his length will be or can be an advantage. But right now it's serving as a disadvantage because he's too wide or he's too tall or, you know, he's leaving his chest too exposed. And in either of those cases, his hands are too wide or his chest is too tall or something to get himself where they're going to get in your body. And, you know, you look at guys like Hakeem, they wouldn't dare. By the time Hakeem was done, they wouldn't dare press Hakeem Mm -hmm. because he's going to get you locked out. And if we're hand fighting, you're going to be hand fighting my elbows because my arms are locked out against yours. And Sean just hasn't learned how to do that yet. Again, he's still a puppy. He's what, a sophomore? Yeah, retro sophomore. So he's still a puppy. Like to say that he won't or isn't or isn't capable is completely misguided. It's just he's not currently yet. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like he's capable of being that Matt Eaton guy who can – and Matt Eaton won a lot of contested catches. That's Mm -hmm. what Matt Eaton was really good at. But – I mean, who does Iowa State have that goes to high point the ball besides maybe Charlie Kohler? I mean, Xavier Hutchinson doesn't really, you know. I'd say. But they haven't tried to either, in fairness. Like, I mean, even that play, um, you know, like, they tried to take the top off that defense by throwing it to Darren Wilson. And at this point, I'm like, is that the only guy that you have that you feel confident throwing the ball 30 yards down the field to? Mm -hmm. Like, Taron Wilson's had three targets, I think, in his Iowa State career. And it's one went for a touchdown when he was wide-ass open against TCU. And uh, I don't remember what the other one was. He has another reception. But, I mean, he's being double-covered. That was probably as much as anything about the, the guys that are in their, his face, you know. But it just felt like the timing was off on that. He beat the guy. 
you know. But by the time he had beat him, he was already 30 yards down the field. And Brock, as good as Brock's arm is, like it, he, he isn't out there throwing it around like Pat Mahomes going to mm-hmm. throw it 70 yards off his back foot. Right. Yeah. And I think that that still also then comes down to that comes to the pressure too. It, it's I pressure think. and yeah. it's also it's trust everywhere. Yeah. Like. And, and trust is a really hard thing to define and quantify because, you know, it's this ephemeral, like, weird, just concept. It's not really a thing. But, like, again, to, to go back to that Russell Wilson comparison is one of the reasons why he is so good is because when he well, – granted, you've got DK Metcalf, and, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to throw to. That really helps. But um, his – the rhythm that he's going to throw with is – I don't care what happens. I know that if I put the ball in the right spot, that dude's going to get it or nobody's going to get it. And so it's step, plant, hitch, gone. And that's it. Like that is his, no matter what protection is coming, because he knows that at least they're going to be kind of close to protecting it. And I know my receivers are going to get it. It's just trusting fully that like, Hey, if I put this up there, I don't have to see that he's open. I just trust that he's going to get open by the time he gets to where the ball is going to go. DK is going to win or Lockett's going to win or, you know, fill in the blank. Moore is going to win for the Seahawks. And then take that to Brock. I don't think he has that with anybody other than Charlie and eight, I think. And maybe Chase Allen, maybe. But Chase Allen is more kind of spot like he's a third option that he's going to sneak out. I noticed this or I tweeted this during the game. Uh, it was after the one when he, I think it was maybe like a slant or something like that that they had thrown to him. But he was like the second guy through on the route where he was wide open. Mm-hmm. And Brock hit him and the throw was kind of low. And I was like, man, I don't remember the last time Chase Allen caught a ball ran, right and ran with it. And he actually did later in the game. Yeah. But it was just like, it was just funny that that it, it's like when you're playing Madden and he hits the possession catch button <laughs> and just, every time he, he catches it. the ball. Yeah. He always catches it, but then he always falls down too. And it's like in that moment, I was like, man, he catches that. He could have ran for quite a while, you know, and it didn't, I mean, it didn't really matter, but it was just, I was, thought that was funny. It was like, Charlie's one of those guys that you trust to run at with uh, after he catches the ball, uh-huh. but Ch- Chase, it's like, no, nope. just, no, just assume that he's probably going to, he's down right with it. Yeah. He's either getting tackled because of the route that he ran. He's like, it's like a stick route or something, uh-huh. or he's just going to fall down because it's, it's secure the catch first. Yeah. yeah. Just get the ball, m- uh, move the chains. Yeah. It is funny because like as his ratio of total receiving yards to yards after catch is low it has to be lowest in the team yeah i, I don't know it, i don't think it notes yards after now it doesn't i would like to know what his yards after catch are though yeah if he has you know 312 receiving yards in the season he has eight <laughs> yards after catch <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean i agree with you man like i think that has to be a major uh emphasis this week is just someone has to be challenged to step up in that room mm-hmm. and um and I don't know, I don't know what that means, but something has to change because right now it's not necessarily predictable, but it's like anytime they get into a third down situation, you already know where the ball's going. And it's eight or 88 and that's it. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, cause obviously 88, especially it's kids, a damn good football player, mm-hmm. but you would like for him to not have that pressure all the time too, mm-hmm. that it's like, I have to get open here so that I can get the ball so that I can get us a first down. Mm -hmm. And that was the other thing that was so big about, about Saturday. And it was different from what they've been in, uh, in every game, maybe outside of the Louisiana one, so many of their situations where they were on third down, it was, you know, third and six, third and seven, third and eight, third and nine plus, and they have to throw the football rather than where they were, you know, maybe against Texas tech or against Oklahoma where you were not in those obvious passing situations as much, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was due to penalties or negative plays or whatever it may be. But Oklahoma state is a defense that blitzes more than any in the big 12. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they are by far. Yeah. I mean, they will not see another defense near as aggressive as that one. And when you get into third and 11, okay, you're opening the door with in a situation where it's like, we think you're going to throw to two people. Well, we're going to cover those two and then everybody else is going to attack you, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, like that's not an enviable situation to be in. It's not it's not one that you're you're likely to have success. Not for Purdy, not for Charlie, not for Xavier, not for any Brees, whoever's doing the pickup. Yeah. So it is. Yeah, that's the good news on this is that you're likely not to you're not likely 
you're not going to see another team like Oklahoma State for the rest of the year. Unless you're playing again. Oklahoma State. Yeah, unless you're playing again. And the – because Kansas State, even as much as Kansas State does, um, Kansas State is to – Kansas State plays like Iowa State does. It's They are a really good defense, but they play extremely patient. They don't force your hand. They force your patience. You know, like that's – again, it's what Iowa State does. We talked about it – every time we talk about Iowa State's defenses, in order to beat them, you go, all right, you're going to get four yards. Oklahoma State says you can't get four yards. You can get 50 if you want, but you can't get four. Mm-hmm. And Iowa State wasn't able to to make that. But that's why, I mean, the big plays that Brees had, they were because – so when you look at a defense, a lot of times there's a run look and there's a pass look. And the, the, the it's really dependent on numbers, you know. Like it's, it's leverage and it's numbers. There's really two things. And leverage meaning if you are trying to push somebody – are you closer to where you want to be or farther away from where you want to be? So they have, and I asked you about this during the game because of a play that they ran with Kane, where they ran to the short side. Yeah. And yeah. so they probably, what leverage means is like you have, all right, I want to run between the tackle and the guard or something like that. And there is a defensive lineman that's outside the tight end. Okay. There's nobody there. I have good leverage. If, even if he slants down, my tackle is going to capture him and go right there. There's a, the next guy is all the way inside by the center. Okay. Even if he slants over, my guard is going to be right there. And so you have leverage on those guys. So you're looking at that. Then the other thing is numbers is, do you have six, you have six guys to block usually tight end plus five linemen. And do they have six or seven or eight guys that you're trying to block? Mm-hmm. So if there's six guys to block and you have six guys, numbers are awesome. You just got to find now where your leverage is. If they have eight guys that you're trying to block and you only have six, yes, you have a running back and a quarterback, but you can't block with those guys unless you're doing a quarterback run. And I wouldn't do that too often with Brock Birdie. So Oklahoma State, just not generally. So take a step back. Generally, when you look at a defense, then it's if you just work math, there's usually two corners in the field, and there's let's call it two safeties. Even if they play like Iowa State plays three, um, they have that star that kind of floats around. You can yeah. just see. Um, so you have corner, corner, safety, safety. If both of those safeties are back, there can be eleven on the field. So you have. Two corners, two safeties, that's four. There's a maximum with two deep safeties of seven guys in the box. And that's with two wide receivers, which means 11 minus two, you have nine guys in the box for on offense. So you're nine on seven. That's really good numbers. You can't block with your quarterback, you're, you're nine on, or you're eight on seven. Still really good numbers. When they have one high safety, then it's just 11 minus two corners and only one safety. So they have eight possible in the box. So whenever you see two high, so two safeties deep, that's generally a run look because they've removed someone from the box. It doesn't mean it's always going to work. It's just your, your numbers are better. If they have one high safety, that means that's probably a better pass look because they have more guys in the box than you can probably block. Oklahoma State, even if they were presenting a pass look, talking about the, going back to this challenging wide receivers thing, two deep safeties usually are like 12 to 15, 12 to 15 yards deep off the line of scrimmage. Oklahoma State was playing them at like nine max. So even their, quote, deep safeties were nine yards off the ball, which is like four yards behind a linebacker. They can close into run fits easily. So the pro on that one is kind of what you got from Brees Hall. Like, you're likely going to stop him for two yards more often than you're going to stop him for seven, but you're also much more likely to give up 80 Mm -hmm. than you are to give up 15. So that's what, when, when everybody talked about Oklahoma state, because coach Campbell said it, you know, we've said it, Blythe and and Meyer said is like Oklahoma state is a gambling team is what, so that's the thing you're going to look at. So again, even when they say we dare you to run, they're only putting guys nine yards deep. They're going to play up as soon as they see a run. They're going to be at six yards. So the deepest player on defense on both of Brees Hall's runs was at like six and a half yards by the time he got past the line of scrimmage. And you got 12 feet to stop a full speed Brees Hall before he actually gets in the open field. And you got to try and run him down. So, yeah, Oklahoma State dared Iowa State in a lot of different things to do anything other or to throw it down the field is we're going to play our run and pass looks really close up because we don't want you to get four yards. You're either going to get 80 or you're going to get zero. Mm -hmm. And we bet that you're going to get zero more times than you're going to get 80. Yeah. And that was something that I, I mean, they adjusted to early in the game, you know, like on their first possession, they came right out and I don't think they went three and out, but they maybe got one first down and then went one, two, three. And like everybody 
the second Brees got the ball, everybody crashing down. Mm-hmm. You know, they said and, anybody other than twenty eight. We yeah. don't care anybody other than twenty eight. Yeah, and and that's when they made the adjustment. They started running the ball with Brock. He got a couple nice runs um, and scored the touchdown mm-hmm. after the interception. And um, and I agree, you don't want to do that all the time. But you also have to be able to keep people honest, mm-hmm. you know. And you know what else keeps people honest? Being able to throw the ball. Getting those damn safeties out of the box. Yeah. You yeah. want to play two deep safeties? You have to play deep safeties. Yeah. Get them out of here. Yeah. The thing that Oklahoma State has, so so bringing back to another point is, good thing is you're not going to play Oklahoma State for the rest of the season. I don't know if anyone else in the conference. I don't think they have the personnel to even try that. No one else does, yeah, except, yeah. again, potentially Iowa State. Because the secondary, I think Oklahoma State's linebackers are fine. They're they're good players. I think seven is the best of them, but like they're fine. It's their defensive line and their secondary that was really good. Um, but no one has the type of cover corners other than Anthony Johnson and Tavon Kyle at Iowa State. And maybe, maybe TCU secondary, but their front seven's not... Oklahoma State's That's more about their safeties than it is the corners. So no one else in the conference has the type of cover corners that you can trust, even against a a team that's not fully living up to their receiver potential like Iowa State's not. You're not going to go to Kansas State, and they're not going to say, all right, we're playing our safeties at six yards. And we're going to put everybody we're gonna on put the everybody island. In, we're going to put an island. We're going to play just our guys at corner mm-hmm. and good luck. You know, like they're they're going to play. Most other teams have to – they can't trust their corners like that. So Iowa State's not likely to see another team that can get away with that type of gambling like Oklahoma State can just purely based on talent. Yeah. Well, and that, like that on Brock's interception, I'd, I'd have to watch the play again and really pay attention to him, but – I mean, I'm pretty sure they played one high safety. Mm-hmm. And that kid just made a hell of a play. He just ran out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And, like, again, that's where it was the timing, mm-hmm. I think, was off. Because I don't think Brock could probably throw the ball that far to lead Darren that Wilson. That late. Yeah, that late. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if he had gotten the ball out early, that guy doesn't have the time to run that far in order to get him. But I think Darren Wilson probably had to slow down because the ball wasn't going to get that far. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was like... It's probably still like a 55 or 60 yard throw in the air. And it wasn't, and it was maybe two feet from being a reception. A reception, yeah. And that's why, but even on Brees' 70 yard run when he, when they were inside the 10 and he got him down to like the 22 mm-hmm. or whatever it was, uh, I mean, he got chased down by two defensive backs that were like, if those dudes don't run like 4 3. Well, one of them, I mean, I'd be one shocked. Of Greedy Williams' little brother. Yeah, like those dudes are. Can't run, mm-hmm. run, run, you know, and uh, that's just like you're not going to see many teams that have guys that can run like that, and that's where you like you sometimes you just got to tip your cap to tip your cap to them because mm-hmm. they like like I said on that interception the kid just made a hell of a play, and there was a lot more to it, but for him to do what he had to do, most safeties either get there just knock the ball down, or are able to you know break it up with the receiver mm-hmm. or uh it's a completed catch he was able to get there and make the interception that's the thing where you sit there and you're like you know salute, what? hell of a play good job yeah like nice job that's Man, yeah, respect that's, i mean that's not saying that he is steph curry but it's just you know some of those times when like steph curry does like a behind the back dribble step back three and you're like you know what so there's nothing you, you can do you couldn't have done anything you yeah. literally couldn't play defense any better than that just good right. job so that was a really good interse- or really good interception on the play by him. But at the same time, you got to accept the challenge of saying, all right, we're going to play these good teams. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be, and I don't think this is any secret that Iowa State wants to be not only in the conversation for Big 12 titles, but when it comes to the beginning of the season, you're like, title, run through, title runs through Ames. You know, yeah. like that's what they want. And it's not unreasonable to expect that if you are inside that program. And I think outside of the program, you can want it, but don't expect it just because, you know, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. And yeah. teams with expectations like that tend to produce pissed off fan bases. And if you want to have a pissed off fan base and you want to be, I'm going to say it, if you want to be Iowa fans, go for it and talk trash about your own team, not, not, not reaching expectations that you artificially set that are not reasonable. Mm-hmm. Great. Don't do that. So that's a hashtag shout out to everyone's going to be angrily tweeting at me and I won't even look at it but anyway um with 
but if you're going to be in that expected to win the big title conversation, the, the championship road runs through Ames conversation, you're going to have to see these really good defenses that have that Steph Curry kind of play. And you're yeah. like, all right, cool. Tip of the cap. Now, cause Iowa state makes them, makes them too. Like, yeah. I mean, and they make a lot of plays like that. now I'm going to come, we're going to come back. You may have got that interception. We're going to force a punt and then we're going to come back and we're going to punch you right in the face yeah. all the way down the field until we score a touchdown and make you forget that you just got that interception. Like that kind of thing. You have to be able to respond to it the way that you need to in order for, to get to where you want to go so it's good that the challenges they're running into now are finding more weaknesses that they didn't know they had until they got exploited that they need to find let's talk about the run game really quick because outside of the um two long runs that Brees had i think he had 18 carries for 40 like 49 yards or something like that uh i know there's a lot of frustration with Tom Manning in the in his play calling on Saturday. I'll fully admit, I don't think that it was a horrible game. I think there was a lot, again, we've just went through a bunch of things that I think were holding them back, you know, from being able to open the playbook up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know that I would sit here and be like, Tom Manning had his best game either, you know, but I don't think like the blame should fall on him. Sometimes you only got what you got to work with. But what, is it just that, that Oklahoma State was like, we're going to, we're going to hold you to what or what adjustment could Iowa State have made to maybe counteract that more to where it's not like you're only getting one two zero yards on those runs and you're losing on first and second down more often than not you have to be able to throw the ball deep I mean if you think about it so let's go back to that that numbers and leverage thing if Oklahoma State there there were again on is there anything you can do in the run game though is there anything you can do in the run game yeah Troy Davis. Yeah, I mean, da- Troy Davis ran against nine in the box, and it's yeah. just because he's a freak and eventually managed to bust things loose on 37 carries a game. But to make an offense sustainable is to not need a Heisman quality running back, which Brees Hall is. He, he is that good. But And isn't getting the credit for that. And isn't getting the credit. I'll, I'll note that, but whatever. But at the same time, if let's go back to the numbers and leverage both of the big runs that that iowa state had were because uh he Brees did a really good job in tempo setting to get oklahoma state to commit where they didn't where they shouldn't have been so he got them to make mistakes and that's how they got out the out the front door and at the same time the safeties are playing at eight nine yards and so they're really tight so again rolling the dice to say that if we fit this correctly with this number of people you're not going to get anything go back to numbers if their safeties are playing at eight yards which is just behind linebackers sometimes iowa state lines their linebackers up at eight yards mike rose sometimes is at eight yards so you have an eight yards deep as your deepest player so you have corner corner two 11 minus two everyone else is in a position to stop the run you have nine bodies that are essentially saying we're going to get you we're going to tackle you for zero yards that's really hard to stop. Mm -hmm. But you know what that is like every defense has a weakness, no matter what it is, there is a weakness in it somewhere. And a a weak, the weakness in Iowa state's defense, when you drop eight and only rush three is underneath it's in the, the little spaces between the zones at seven yards that you can just tuck one in or in scrambling and making eventually, because you have such little pressure, if you don't get pressure, that Spencer Sanders finds some space to run and then deliver one to somebody for 12 yards because you can't cover for that long with that few of rushers. So that's the weakness of Iowa State. Weakness for Oklahoma State when they do that? Throw it down the field. Is you have to get those safeties to back up. Yeah. Because you're one-on-one everywhere else. So, yeah, you probably could have taken more shots. I mean, if you're Tom Manning, to essentially talk to Brock and be like, look, you know, it's not ideal. You don't. You want to throw it to eight. You want to throw it to Charlie. But you got to take a shot up to Shaw. You have to go. Even the attempt, like the a close but not quite, does almost the same as a completed catch. If it's a wide open receiver or something that's a contested ball or something like that, like those do almost the same thing. So really, the only thing that I would say I would put on Manning would be tell Brock to take more shots down the field and just trust that it's not going to end up horribly. Well, here, I mean, I can even I can I can break it down to you this way. I mean. So the interception really didn't end up hurting Iowa State that much because they got the interception right back. Mm-hmm. Lawrence White made a really nice play on the ball, was able to get an interception. But the drive, that was Iowa State's first drive of the second half. Uh, first play, completed pass to Xavier Hutchinson for 14 yards, first down. Second play, run up the middle for one yard. Uh, I'm guessing that 
I don't know if Brock had, if they'd ran his own read or what the deal was. Brock ran the ball. Uh, so then you got second and nine, and they run what appeared to be a called shot play. Mm-hmm. And that gets picked off. But then, so now, you've shown that you at least have some semblance of a, willing desi- to. a willingness to throw the ball deep. Next drive. Uh, Brees runs for seven on first down. Uh, pass complete to Brees for four, which got brought back for holding. Then uh, second and nine, you get a seven yards. And then on third and two, Brees goes 66 yards for a touchdown. So it's like you at least put the idea in someone's mind like, hey, maybe they will go deep, mm-hmm. you know, and it opens something up for you. And that tied the game at 14, but then they gave up a touchdown and it, it didn't really matter because right. you, you were back down anyway. Yeah. So, again, that's the only thing that I would put on Manning is a maybe is because he, he also pr- possibly could have called it right. and just said, like, you have these deep threats, but Brock doesn't trust that he's going to have time to deliver it because he got one picked off or he doesn't have he doesn't trust that he can get there because he has he's had to scramble 38 times times on 37 or on 39 dropbacks or something like that so uh, yeah perhaps in your play call or whomever is is communicating with Brock I don't know if it's directly with Manning when he gets on the phone is me like hey we're gonna call whatever 835 z post swing or something like that like i need you to throw the post unless it is absolutely covered Mm -hmm. something like that like maybe you can communicate that just to draw someone back but um yeah again good news bad news the way that Oklahoma State plays that close, that aggressive, and that big of a risk, no one else in the conference can even do that. If they, if can, if Kansas tries to go, hey, books out on Iowa State, we just got to play our safeties tight, <laughs> play match man on with our corners. Sean Shaw will have 97 yards in the first quarter, like if that's the case, because they don't have the personnel. No one else has the personnel to do it like Oklahoma State does. But if things go right for the rest of the season, you're going to play them again. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out how to do something against it. You can't just say, hey, Brees, buddy, uh, we're going to need 330 yards out of you and four touchdowns. You cool with that? Yeah. Cool. Charlie, you're going to have 19 receptions. No one else touches the ball. All right. Great. Good. Ready, break. Like you're going to have to have someone else th- go down the field, whether that is maybe Tariq gets healthy by then. I don't know. Maybe it's Shaw. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe Xavier can be, turn himself into a deep threat. I don't know. But you have to have someone that can even have the semblance of a threat that it is down the field. And who knows what, uh, how much Jake Ramsberg and Daryl Simmons could have improved by then as mm-hmm. well. I mean, all those guys. Like, that's a long time from now. Sure. You know? And now that you've seen it, it would probably be, you'd be in a lot better position. You know? I mean, it, uh, it is what it is, like, at this point. I, I'm not, like, in panic mode right? by any means. Yeah, that one, it, you know, we, we, it, I think Rob Gray and I and probably at least a few other people in the picks column mentioned this is a prove-it game. Yeah. Oklahoma State did prove it. They are, I, I can, I, you know, you can probably say Oklahoma State's legit. Like, when we were talking on the, on the, the tailgate show, we were like, you know what? We're not saying that they don't deserve the number six ranking. We just don't know if they do deserve the number six mm-hmm. ranking. Well, I, I think they do. Like, we, it, they've proved that they did. Iowa State proved that their defense, at times, can do exactly what you need a defense to do to keep you in the game against really high-powered offenses. Anthony Johnson played like an absolute animal. Yeah. He got in the head of the best receiver in the conference. I mean, potentially the best receiver in the country. Right. Now, and especially now with Jalen Waddell out. He got in Tylen Wallace's medulla. Like, he yeah. was so buried in his brain, he was making his arms move. Like, that's how, yes, he had like six or seven receptions. Had five receptions for 76 yards, and his long was 40. That was the one when they left him wide open on the sideline. But he had already gotten pushed out of bounds. Yeah. Like, Anthony Johnson did his job. He pushed Tylen Wallace four yards out of bounds, and he reestablished himself. I'm not sure what the rule is on that. I'm assuming it's if you get forced out, you can reestablish. I'm yeah. guessing that's the rule. Yeah. But either way, like when it was man coverage, Anthony Johnson won the battle against the best receiver in the Big 12, potentially the country. That dude proved it. Mm-hmm. Iowa State's defensive line, for the most part, there were a few. I mean, in the second half, when I don't know what the time of possession of the, they, like if you were to sequence it from like the middle of the third quarter to the middle of the fourth quarter, I bet Iowa State's defense was on the field of that 15 minute period, you know, from seven minutes in the third to seven minutes in the fourth. I bet they were on the field out of those 15 minutes for 11 and a half. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty even the, the time of possession. But for that I looked one at it after the game, for that one chunk, oh, yeah, like that segment from the middle of the third quarter to the middle of the fourth quarter, Iowa State was on the field for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And in that time, there are a couple like missed gaps missed tackles but generally speaking 
against Sanders, Hubbard, and Wallace, and that offense, and that Mike Gundy pace, you own with 24 or 27, excuse me. Yeah. You fine. You should win. You, you put yourself in a position to win the game. That is as good as you can expect from a defense to play against a team that's like that. Again, there are a couple open. There, there are a couple things that were open, like you that that Tylen Wallace thing. Like that's a communication. Whoever was looking at it probably just didn't realize that he didn't run out of bounds on his own. It was probably like, ah, he's ineligible now. I'm going to get off of him. Yes, that's a bust. It's a coachable mistake. Whatever. Again, outside of a couple big plays, I mean, what could you complain about on the defense? Is there a complaint? No, I mean, probably not. I mean, again, n- knowing what opponent you're playing. Yeah. I, I will say having Spencer Sanders adds is a adds a massive, uh, a massive dynamic to that offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, his ability to run is huge. Yeah, and he was able to kill them right a couple different times, on, in, on especially in on like, long third and down. I would say third in down. like crucial moments, yeah. he was able to to really beat them. Uh, but like. Chuba Hubbard didn't do anything. The mm-hmm. one run that he made, that was one. And there, were, I, I tweeted out like he, I think I tweeted uh, from the Cyclone Fanatic account. I was like, Chuba Hubbard's doing Chuba Hubbard things, like. And they're like, well, if we could tackle him, like we're ta- such a horrible tackling team. Like, I'm like, I mean, the dude's like the one. He might be the best running back in the country. You know, like it's him. It's, unfortunately, it is hard to tackle Chuba Hubbard. I mm-hmm. don't know. It's hard to tackle Brees Hall too. Yeah, it, these two are the two of the best. I'd say can't due to Kansas State, due to West Virginia, is actually playing pretty well. But you know, I haven't seen West Virginia much. <clears throat> but you got Deuce Vaughn, you got Brees Hall, you got Chuba Hubbard. Three, those three dudes, and uh, uh, Sir Roger Thompson is actually really good too. But they just didn't, you know, obviously mm-hmm. set him up very well. But anyway, those three guys, one on one, who has tackled them? Yeah, who? You know, it's not a bad tackling team. Like you just can't. You're not going to single tackle in that position. Yes, you want. You you had that opportunity in and that. When you had a guy bottled up. When you had a guy bottled up, like to get your leverage back. Yeah, you want to not allow that. Of course, you want to not allow that. And there's gonna, there's coaching. There's probably gonna be like a couple, you know, shouts of "You need to be here," and this is bold, you know, whatever that kind of stuff. But at the same time, what do you expect? Like the the bar of your expectations is like, all right, playing against Joe Burrow, we held him to two touchdowns and 295 yards. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You hold Joe Burrow to 295, two touchdowns. That is a win. You hold the Kansas quarterback to two touchdowns and 295 yards. All right, what the hell, man? Yeah. So you're the the bar needs to un, you know like you, as a fan or as a context you know understand what, who they're playing against. So again, yes, you should have clamped down on that tackle a little bit better, but sometimes a, a a kid who is squarely in the Heisman race puts his hand down on the ground, is able to catch himself after being hit by three people and runs for a touchdown. It happens. Like Brees did that against Oklahoma. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, man, sometimes you see a really good college football player, just make a ridiculous college football play. That doesn't mean that everybody messed up. Right. You know? Yeah. Defensively, they played for the most part pretty well. I I would, you know, they got turnovers. That's good. They gave up more big plays than you want. Mm -hmm. But again, consider the source who they're playing against you hold that team to 24 or excuse me 27 you hold that team to 27 you should be of your is it it was 24 27 is final right 24 uh, 21 24 so sorry yes 24 you go up 24 you should be in a position that you are you are winning the game in the big 12 or any college football game if you're holding a team to the low 20s low to mid 20s that's especially against a team that's in the top 10 you're setting yourself up to win. Other side of the ball has to contribute. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I saw people frustrated, like, with the three-down look and stuff like that. And I think that, again, I think that comes back largely to the situation with being able, with what Sanders could do with his legs. And, I mean, they just didn't keep contain on him. Like, can I, I, I don't know. Can I ask how many drives Oklahoma State had? They had... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. And they had how many points? Uh, twenty-four. How many is that points per possession? So what is that? Uh, twenty-four divided by fourteen. And uh, I thought that one, two, three, four, five. Well, yeah, okay. They didn't try and score on their last one, so yeah, it'd be okay. fourteen. Yeah. So twenty-four divided by fourteen. They had one point seven points per possession. That's not bad. Yeah. 
that's really not that bad. Again, considering who you're playing against, the pace they play against, what they want to do, it's really not that bad. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, when I see people complaining about John Haycock and saying that uh, using the three down defensive lineman is the definition of in, is like is like the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. I sit there and I'm like, do you all not remember where we, what we watched, all the time before this? This is the definition of insanity. I'll take it. Yeah. I, call me insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Call me crazy. Because they don't give up more than... If they give up more than 24, it's probably because they got set up in a bad way by the offense. Mm-hmm. Like, in the last four years, since they switched to this, more often than not, they're going to hold a team below their scoring average. And when they don't, it's usually because they either got things on special teams... Or they got turnovers. The offense turned the ball over, and they put them in favorable positions. Mm-hmm. The defense ain't the problem mm-hmm. here. Like, let's not sit here and like. That's like to me. I'm just like, you guys are just. You're looking for things to be angry about, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes you just don't have to be that angry. Like sometimes there can be silver linings. Mm-hmm. Still three and one. You played Kansas, the worst team potentially in the Power Five. Actually, no, not potentially. They're the worst team in the Power Five. Might be one of the worst Power Five teams I've ever seen in my life. Yep. And you play Baylor, which you should probably. Probably be more than a touchdown favorite against at home at home in, mm-hmm. and you in November in November and then you get a bye week and you'll be five and one in big 12 play playing against what should be another one of the big 12 leaders for a spot in big 12 championship game it's okay guys yeah it's okay you're gonna be okay we'll, yeah we and, will be fine and a th- with a three-point loss on the road in the number six team in the country yeah like don't get me wrong was I happy with the way that the game ended on Saturday Absolutely not. Nope. I wasn't. But the sky ain't falling. You know, mm-hmm. if we, if all of a sudden Kansas comes out and they're hanging around in the fourth quarter on Saturday, might have to have a conversation. Yep. Come to Jesus. If, if there, something like that happens on, you know, against Baylor and all of a sudden things are starting to look like the, the, the uh, house of cards is falling down or, you know, the, the foundation is starting to crumble. Okay. We'll have, we'll have a conversation, but they have a chance to be five and one in big 12 play with three games left. Has that ever happened? I don't think so. I mean, if it has, then it was probably during the big eight days, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's where I'm like, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and blame John Haycock. Like, John Haycock did not do – like, this defense had no blame for this game, in my mind. And at the same time, I don't know if you can really – you can't say that this one person caused – the caused a loss of I mean this was a this was a team wide like yeah they did they there were moments where no one like they all didn't play well yeah they didn't they missed the field goals you know like they I mean I don't know it's just it's one of those things where I'm like I, I, I don't know like I at this point I will gladly take this over what we watched for the five years previous you know to the last four years at this point it's like what do you want? And so another thing is at like, think of it in, you know, basketball terms, just cause I think there's more games in basketball. So it's easier to be like, Oh, that's a loss. We'll play again on Saturday. Yeah. You're you. It's, it's the peak of the hoi ball years. You got Monte, you got George, you got Naz, you know, that they're rolling. They go down to Baylor. Baylor's ranked eighth in the country and they lose in frustrating 61 to 55 kind of, out of your own playing element. Scott Drew used all of his t- uh, timeouts before the under 16 timeout of the first half or the second half. And you're like, why did, what happened? Yeah. How did you not win this game? But it's still a number eight team on the road. You're still good. You're going to come back around and play another team. That's pretty solid. And you'll be okay. So this is one of those, to me, this is the football equivalent of the loss at Baylor with a really good basketball team when they get you out of the style that you don't want to be in on the road because it's a really good matchup for them and a really bad matchup for you. Okay. We'll see you in the big 12 tournament. You know, like we will, we're going to, we'll play you again. Chalk that one up to good job. You we're going back to practice. We'll work on what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's one of those things where it's like, you want to win a championship. We all want them to win a championship. Like, that is absolutely the goal. You want to see them take it to the next level. They still have every opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if this had been a situation where it's like, oh, well, now all hope is lost, 
well, okay. Mm. That's a completely different kind of conversation, but it's not like now it's like, okay, let's move forward. What, what needs to happen now in order to, um, in order to, to do that, you know? Also, if they got the brakes beaten out of them, you know, like if it was 41 to eight right in the middle of the third quarter and you're like, what happened? Or even the Louisiana game, like where it's the Louisiana game was close, but it was, it didn't feel that close mm-hmm. by the time it was done. Maybe that, you know, you'd be frustrated there because they played really terribly in that game. This one was a bad game, which things that defense played pretty well, offense played below average, but all in all, no one played garbage. They just needed to improve a couple things, find out the things you need to work on, go back to actually work on them, see what happens. And the great thing is, you got Kansas. Yeah. Lost by three, you didn't play your best game against the number six team in the country on the road. Mm -hmm. With fans. I'll take it. Uh, Authentic Brand is more than just your source for official Cyclone gear with an amazing team of designers. Authentic Brand can custom manufacture polo shirts, jackets, caps, bags, and beyond for your team or small business. Check them out online at authentic-brand.com. Look authentic. Feel authentic. Be authentic all right i think we're i think we're good don't you i would imagine cover so, everything yeah. and th- really the only thing is previewing kansas they're bad they're bad i don't know they, and puka puka's is, puka's gone their best player yeah. said i'm out yeah sorry i'm not going to take all of this punishment and there does sound like there are some family issues so we hope that puka getting can get those resolved but i'm sure that the family issues became more pressing the worse that they mm-hmm. got at the at football yeah you know like if they were competing to go to a bowl game i imagine puka would still be with the team mm-hmm. but that team is horrible with a capital h so going in you know there's the the iowa state nut cup goes hey we've been playing against a team they lost we've got a hangover week what's going to happen sure any possible nothing is ever impossible however when an offense is built around moving other human beings around and running the ball behind that vacated space hangovers are a lot harder to come by Mm -hmm. and that is what this offense is built on is we are going to move your people around and we're going to run where that space is and number 28 is really good at finding open space so even if there is somewhat of a hangover. 28 is going to be good enough for that offense to stay on track to find open spaces for number eight or number 16 or number yeah. whatever to find one-on-one opportunities, go win them, and then force some turnovers with a defense that is, generally speaking, very sound in tackling. Yeah. So even a hangover should produce a relatively comfortable game. I don't know what the line's going to be. I would, oh, what, it's, uh, it's 29. Something? Oh, it's 29. 29 half, I was going to say 24 and a half would be what I would in, initially, my gut reaction, but it's a 29. Yeah. On the road. Yeah. That says something. Uh, in my mind, best case scenario, you cover the spread. You're up can comfortably in the third quarter. Yeah, Hunter Deckers and Jirel Brocker in your backfield. Yeah, yeah. Hunter Deckers gets to gets to get some run. Uh, Jirel Brock gets some carries. Like, you that's best case scenario worst mm-hmm. case scenario in my mind you win by 20 i don't know mm-hmm. like i i cannot imagine a way some real dumb it, it would have to be have to some happen. really something really weird would have to happen mm-hmm. in my mind for anything to go wrong in this game i mean like to go seriously wrong to the point yeah yeah like to where you'd lose the game that's us knocking out wood so yeah Superstition uh, avoided. Yeah, I don't know. It's like Chris said. Matt Campbell will probably have us convinced by the middle of the week that uh, that the Jayhawks are the New England Patriots. Yep. Well, this year, kind of true. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right, thanks, Jeff. We'll uh, talk to you again on Friday on the uh, Cyclone Fanatic Tailgate Show, powered by the Iowa Pork Producers. I'm excited. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Network, Podcast Network. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace. <laughs>